This week's guest is Dr. Michael Kaldash, CEO of AMedis in Germany. I want to quickly thank my previous guest, Garisha Fernando from Digifarm, for connecting me with Dr. Kaldash. Thanks, Garisha. Appreciate that very much. And I feel very happy that there is a community like this where you know, we can develop and grow together. AMedis is a startup trying to build a comprehensive healthcare ecosystem that can store your health records, interact with providers using video chat, and also develop a social media community. They are using blockchain technology to facilitate better health data access and establish trust for patients and providers. I think they have large goals ahead of them to accomplish, and it certainly won't be easy. But as you'll hear in the episode, healthcare institutions prefer an all-in-one product for them to actually want to adopt in their workflows. Towards the end, we've also gotten to a little bit of a philosophical conversation about fiat money, greed, and the perception of value. So although it's still early for Ametis, it sounds like they are making good strides in the German and Asian marketplace with their five hospital chain partners already using version one. Check out the show notes for more information and links. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogan, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I will be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? What is blockchain? What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. So welcome everybody. Today we have Dr. Michael Kaldash, founder of AMedis. And AMedis is a startup out in Germany and they're trying to build a platform where they can enable many different aspects of the healthcare industry to connect and be more transparent. And you know, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming, uh, Dr. Kaldash. Would you like to start talking about, maybe introduce yourself a little bit, how you got into blockchain, how you got into this uh, idea? Okay, yeah. Hi, Ray. Thank you very much for the introduction and for the for the nice sum up of the, of the project. Um, so yeah, as told, I'm one of the founders of Imedis. Um I'm a doctor. Over 12 years, been working in hospitals and the pharmaceutical industry, and as a consultant, um, and uh, met a lot of difficulties. We've been working in Germany, we've been working in France, and it was always the same problem: getting patient information, valid patient information of people come to the emergency room or to the intensive care unit during night shifts was impossible to to call their family doctor and to call the family whatsoever um so you're you're left alone with a patient and this makes treatments very difficult okay so um my, my partner ben the co the other co-founder of the company always also doctor had the same experiences and we sat together and said hey why isn't there a solution that gives the possibility to to get these data, you can do everything online. You can go banking, you can buy a car, you can book your travels, you can basically do everything online, but not in medicine. Hmm. Okay, uh, big problem. So um, there were basically no no possibilities, and so we said, okay, let's do something on our own. And um, as we're both like you know a little bit of nerds in gaming and programming yeah. since our child childhood days and we said okay let's do something on our own so we programmed the basic first version of the of a system it was called the health net 
yeah, at 24, it was mainly for the German-speaking countries, as you might imagine. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just basic HTML. It was an app. Uh, we we had also help from from some people uh, programming that app for iOS and Android, and then deployed it. Didn't do any uh, advertising and just let it go for three years and was quite successful. We had over 10,000 patients inside the platform and um, fast got to know that this is a good idea. And patients in hospital, they said, hey, it's a good idea. Our colleagues said, hey, it's a good idea. And so we, we said, okay, let's bring this to a more professional level. You know, in the meantime, there were some other companies doing that e-health stuff, especially the United States. What, what can I tell you? The United States is always first when it comes to technological well, there were competitors from, from from the valley, like uh, HealthTab and you know some some companies. Also, Microsoft and Google tried some some basic versions of a medical record, which which failed. Can talk about this later. Why why this failed? And we said, okay, it, it's really difficult to to implement medical IT to implement new medical IT, as um, there are existing systems, there are existing players, big companies like in Germany, the Telecom or Aqua Healthcare. So you just cannot come and say, hey, I've got a great piece of software. This is the best thing you can get. Forget about all the crap. The rest, take my solution. That's not working. So we said, okay, it must be compatible to the existing medical IT. Um, it must be it must be flawlessly integrable, interoperable. So um, and it, we just cannot have one functionality, right? So the first version of the platform was just a medical record. Um, and we said, okay, to implement e-health into a, into an existing IT uh, environment, it needs all the functionalities like video chat, like prescriptions, like appointment, like the medical records, you know, all this stuff that is necessary for it. And that was the basic or the base for iMedis. So did the HealthNet software that you built, you know, three, four years ago, was this something that integrated into the German EHRs or was it? the German EHR. So like, obviously they, you know, there was something that existed before um, um, HealthNet that the Germans used to manage their population's medical records, right? So what was, yeah. uh, how was that integration or experience? Mm -hmm. So the integration was, um, it was a very basic kind of software. So we didn't connect to professional medical IT at this moment. And basically there is no electronic medical records in Germany. Um, when you go to a hospital, there are electronic medical records for the hospital, but they're not connected to other practices. There are certain projects, for example, the city where I come from, Solingen, it's the city that's known for their knives and for its knives and, and mm -hmm. you know, cutlery, cutlery stuff. Um, they have a product um, or a project that was called Solimed, where they connect the hospitals with a basic software just for exchange of, of discharge letters. But basically, there is no national... Um, service to to connect patients and to give access to medical records and stuff. Uh, there's not nothing about video chat and prescriptions and stuff. That's far from from any reality. But there is no medical record in Germany, so that's what we want to establish now. And um, the old version of the software didn't connect to the professional medical. It was just a basic tool to ex to exchange basic data like PDF files, like images, like written text. So that that's basically what what we granted with this kind of software. Right, like a minimum viable product, basically, that yes. you've developed yeah. and um, now using that minimal viable product for a Metis, is what I understand. So 
Go ahead. You had something to add? Yeah, no, the, 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 the old software is not not uh, part of iMedis. iMedis is a complete new development. Um, and even now, we are already starting to develop um, the second version of the platform, which is, again, not based on the code of the old version of the platform. Oh, um, because, you know, it's technologically, it's, it's there is progress. You use different frameworks. You have different sure. integration of hardware. And yeah, so... Sure, sure. So I was looking at your white paper and you mentioned uh, some use cases, product use cases. Uh, I'll read them out. So social media interaction, patient mm -hmm. record access, you mentioned that a little bit, medical service provider action history. So um, I guess that would be like, what should the provider be doing next and what have they done in the past with this patient? Adding that as part of the, the record, lab and specialized procedure records, medical service provider credentials, so credentialing of providers, and uh, telemedicine delivery support. So that's a uh, many use cases I feel like, and that's um, a lot to tackle as a startup initially. Have you been, you know, trying to figure out what to focus on, or are you trying to focus on all these use cases simultaneously as you uh, start developing and building out your your team? Um, yeah. So as you say, it's very complex and it's a lot of things to manage. Um, and every normal thinking person would say, hey. Why don't you guys start with just one functionality, establish it in the market, and then add several new functionalities or modules? The problem about medical market is it's not working like that. Um, when you hit the market and you want to integrate into an existing solution, you cannot come along with one and say, okay, guys, I will bring the rest of the functions later on. They want an all-in-one solution because they don't want to get used to new functionalities at a later stage. And you cannot go to us because, you know, especially in Europe, but also especially, especially in Germany, it's a big problem about the personal, for example. You have a high turnover in personal in hospitals, and it's difficult to teach them the usage of the electronic medical record inside the hospital and then additional tools like iMedis. So when you come along and say, hey, guys, I've got, you've got to learn about the electronic medical record, you've got to learn about the health record that iMedis offers, then you come along with video chat, then you come along with a prescription, you know, people, they are out. It's just not working like that. You want to integrate, you have to bring a solution that offers it all. I'm, 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 I'm with you that it's, that it's a tough um, competition, but uh, it's, there is no other solution for that. After our opinion, and a lot of people say the same, so yeah, that's why we do it like that. No, I, I understand that. You're right. You know, staff in hospitals and uh, providers, they don't want to be getting trained every, you know, two, three months on something new. Uh, they want mm. something that works, that's comprehensive and can accomplish everything they need um, in, in one suite, basically. And well, right. you know, that being said, though, do you have an idea of when um, your final or your full solution would be available? What, what's the timeline on your side? So iMedis, um, the, the first version of the platform is already available. It's online. It's used by several hospitals um, since December of last year. It's integrating medical records, video chat, prescription, appointment, and e-learning. How many people Basic are using it these days? At the moment, we have around 25,000, 26,000 patients inside the platform. And uh, yeah, from, from five hospital chains in Europe and Asia. It's, you know, we started very slowly, but, you know, one of the hospital chains we are working with, they treat over 2 million people annually. 
so the the database will grow fast but at the moment we are still integrating and trying to figure out how to to optimally integrate into the existing structure and to to get the workflow running um we also have basic blockchain functionality in, uh, attached to the platform um, and this is still something we are we are experimenting with because uh, we have checked out two solutions for the private blockchain um we are now in discussion with other companies about maybe another solution um so yeah that's still we're still figuring out the the this combination of blockchain and the, and the system and the second version of the platform we just started development and this will be coming out by the end of this year with more functionalities the mobile applications of version one will be available in the stores within the next let's say eight weeks um maybe earlier the product now or the platform is available uh privately or is it publicly available to german it's citizens? available it's mm -hmm. it's available for the hospitals we're working with um we also show for example to investors we show the the product so everyone can see the product basically also if anyone is interested and he says hey I, let me let me let me take a look at the platform we show it there's no problem about the thing is why we don't showing it in public is a little bit the ico market because mm -hmm. uh there are some very good competitors working in the field where they they have a great um yeah they have great products yeah. yeah like medical chain or like uh, mediblock from korea but there are some uh icos uh and we all know it. there are a lot of scams out there and they're just copy copy pasting white papers and they're copy pasting ideas and and that's why we didn't want to um didn't want to go live too early because on the one hand, it's no, no need for us because, you know, the thing is, we want to approach, although it's a patient-centered system and the patient is the, the master of his data, we think that the approach from the hospital side and from the professional side is very important because you see the problem with, with, with health applications that you can download in, in app stores. If a patient downloads an app and he takes this app and fills it with data, then he goes to his doctor and say, hey, doc, I've got a great app here. Take a look at my data. And the doctor says, what do you want from me? I don't know this app. Is it a certified app? Is it is it maybe bullshit? Is it a virus? Is You know, doctors, and I think that's everywhere in the world, they will not use it. They will not accept a consumer product sure. application from an app store, although it's a nice toy for many patients and nice thing to maybe learn something about your own body or about your behavior or whatsoever but it will not be accepted on a professional base right so. plus it's a could be a liability or risk for the provider to use that information absolutely if it's not been absolutely, certified yeah. yeah absolutely i think um they do it for good reasons <laughs> yeah correct um you talked a little bit about like you know some of the competitors in the market and you know you kind of different differentiated yourself a little bit what do you think is going to be the um you know your biggest differentiator in in the marketplace as you move forward so i think we are one of the companies that offers everything without being you know talk t telling uh, we offer everything is a little bit unserious but it's like that because the, we, the functionalities we do have um most of the competitors do not offer everything um also integrating of trackers apis stuff like that most of them do not offer it um on on the other hand we are establishing this um, social medical network. Um, and I've seen one competitor from the United States who is doing stuff like that, but not no one is, is putting everything into one system. 
and I think that's a key to or a key to success for for this kind of system because also a patient if he if he says okay I trust a company may it be medical chain may it be I medis may it be MediBlock whoever then he will use the system on an ongoing basis and he awaits the company to offer him everything he doesn't want to go to different apps too because in the end when he when he has to learn all this new stuff and all his family has to learn all this new stuff and has to switch between the solutions you will never get a flawless um, experience and especially when it comes to the social medical network we are establishing where patients help patients where data is filtered by a specialist where patient in input is incentivized but also integrated with the with the data you have and with the doctors you work together you know it's like a little healthcare universe you're serving and i think that's that we are the only ones at the moment there will come others i think latest after the interview <laughs> um <laughs> we're just joking yeah, uh, no. No, but <laughs> you know we are we are we are a company that offers most of the important things and we are established in the german market there are no established players in the in the german market especially not in the blockchain and artificial intelligence space there are some companies but they don't have partners and they don't have the experience we have you know we can we have experience of over three years in the electronic medical record field and we have seen what works in hospitals and what does not work do you think that it's possible like you can build your your platform a and have it serve as a maybe a medical record system and then have other companies maybe some companies that are specializing in the video chat kind of um, link into your platform and you know use your apis in order to provide that part of the service and you know you can focus on for example just the medical records or do you think that your approach is is the definitely the right way to go i hope that our approach is the right way to go but concerning competitors and working together with other companies that's definitely something we will do you know it's it's not realistic that you as a company no matter how good or bad you are you cannot conquer the world it's not like um facebook because the health 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 space every country is different when you go to peru it's different than in maybe french guiana or maybe different than in the caribbean so it's not never possible to serve every country in everything um hmm. and you know what 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 you definitely have to avoid and that's what we also do want to avoid are data silos no matter if we use a blockchain no matter if we use a, an open system you always create a data silo when you when you're not open to other solutions and i think um the the fact that we use medical standards like hipaa compliance we support we are hipaa compliant we are ige compliant we we support medical bridges like hl7 and the next version of the software fire um, the medical standard for data exchange um, DICOM files for radiologic images and that's what other companies that will work in the professional field will also use and we have to connect to those players because a patient that for example he's working with medical chain in england or he's working with with uh, a mediblock in korea and he comes to europe or he comes to germany he wants to use his data here too so it will be a good uh, opportunity to connect and the blockchain will be a key factor for this because you can you can build this trust and you can make sure the data takes the correct way using the blockchain this will give a great opportunity to break up these data silos that's so, the cool thing yeah. about 
um, you know, the blockchain and how the communities are being built nowadays. Everyone is very, very much willing to work with each other. And in fact, you know, you're incentivized to work with each other because that's better for both parties and participants of the platform. So, um, you know, it's exciting to see so many partnerships being built and collaborations um, signed and, you know, documented. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great thing. Definitely. You know, and one thing that was very important, uh, the next version of the platform will offer a possibility for third-party providers to add new functionalities. We will also open a Git repository where everyone can just put in his information or put in his ideas and drafts and graphics and what, whatever he wants to upload and say, hey, guys, I would love this and this functionality. And we will, on a regular basis, check out these ideas and rate them with other medical professionals. You know, the thing about us is we're also having, uh, we're adding professionals from other, from hospitals, from other software companies, because, you know, when you are founder of a company and you have a product and you're convinced you have a great product, maybe you're convinced, but maybe the rest of the world thinks, hey, it sucks. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have, we want to have these ideas and the input from other professionals from the space to build the best uh, experience and the best solution for the patient and for the for the caregivers, doctors, hospitals, industry, the universities, whoever is 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 joining IMEDIS. So that would be great possibility to to it's it will not be an open source software, but it will there will be a possibility to actively take part in the development and to yeah to make it the product we want it to be. So the, the you just said the software is not open source, but um you know there is the opportunity for community members to input their ideas and rate things that they might want, new features potentially, um, but they're not able to like look for bugs and there's no bounty program, uh, is there? There is. No, no, definitely there is. Mm -hmm. We will, uh, We at the moment, we already do it. Uh, so we have a, a, a bounty program for people who are finding bugs. Um, it's one, one for the ICO on the other hand, also for the for the platform, um, especially when it will be live for the public, um, and so, this will this will work on an ongoing base too. Yeah. So, just for my own um, understanding, people are able to access the code because they can look for bugs and try to identify, try to fix things, or make suggestions. But it's not open source. Am I missing something? No, it's not. not no, it's not, not. Not like that. No, we don't have we don't have a code available in Git like for the platform. Okay. Um, but we offer, like, there are always people um, that find bugs in your system that maybe find a, I see, an like access where it's been like be. a customer support kind of line where they say, oh, this is broken. When I click on this, it's not working. It's not the actual Correct. code. That's, Correct. Stuff that's like that. Also, experience. when it comes to the usage of the platform, you go in and say, the button is there, but mm -hmm. you know what? Put the button on the other side. Just a basic example. Or add this and this functionality because I have this and this disease and this would help me a lot and the community would really get a profit from it. Um, so that's what I mean with with uh, with the cooperation and with the input. Understood. Tell me a little bit about your upcoming ICO and um, you know how you've prepared for that and what you've done to make sure that you've set yourself up for success in terms of raising the right amount of funds and how you're planning to spend that money. Um, so yeah, we are all already inside the ICO. So we're at the pre-sale at the moment. Um, we have raised so far over two and a half million US dollars. Um, and uh, the main ICO will launch soon. Um, the usage of the money. Um, 
most of the money, I think, I'm clear there that it's, we need it for development. Because especially artificial intelligence, people from that space, they are very expensive. Um, also developers, good developers, um, it takes a lot of money to develop a software and to go to other countries to communicate with the people there, to find solutions to attach to, to the existing medical IT. Um, so the main, of the main main part of the money will go into development. So yeah, okay. um, I mean, the, the rest, normal, normal operation costs are covered by this, but we wouldn't need 36 million US dollars for, for operating costs. But for development, we want to bring a great product. We want to go a step further, you know, that we're actually setting up a blockchain lab in Silicon Valley in uh, California nice. to check out and to compare certain certain uh, blockchain solutions for the medical space. <laughs> Funny, f fun fact, Walmart has just got a patent for for a medical record yeah. uh, blockchain solution. <laughs> I saw um, that, yeah. yeah, so... It's interesting I, I think, that it's a patent, yeah. right? So, you know, the theme around blockchain is that everything is open and you share information, create a bigger community. But um, here you have companies patenting their technology so that no one else can use it. Kind of like Hashgraph yeah. as well. Hashgraph was, is a very interesting technology, but um, yeah, definitely. people are unable to utilize it for, for business or, or whatever. We'll see how that goes. Um, we'll see, is it the technology that's important or is it the community and ability for people to connect and use it that's more important? We'll see. You know, the thing is, the thing about blockchain is, uh, blockchain is not a solution for everything. You know, it's a big buzzword at the moment. Everyone's talking about blockchain here, blockchain there. Thing is, um, it's it's not necessary to have a blockchain to have a valid medical system. Let's be honest. But what the blockchain can give you as a user, as a patient or as a doctor is trust. So this immutability of data and this, uh, this, uh, this trust you can get from it is the big benefit. And this broke, break, breaking up of data silos, that's something it's very important for. I'm not sure if you need a patent for this because existing solutions do offer the possibility to, to, to do all that. But uh, yeah, Walmart can try. Um, they have also, I, I read they, they have their patents for, I think for like a marketplace and I don't think they will beat Amazon with it anyway. So, yeah, well, it's good interesting. Luck. Amazon's also becoming, uh, you know, involved in the healthcare space with the collaboration between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan. Uh, and now yeah. they've actually announced the CEO, Dr. Atul Gawande, who has, uh, you know, been a is a great writer, doctor, and um, just healthcare thinker. I think, and it's very inspirational that he's um, the CEO. I think it's a great move. Uh, so it's nice that you're, you know, building a Silicon Valley lab. So you're coming to the United States. That's part of your overall plan. Uh, it sounds like. Yeah, Very absolutely. You know, because cool. the United States, um, they're, they're so great when it comes to new technology and so courageous. Uh, when you compare it to Europe, it's just, I, you know, I, I tell you something. I was in 2012 when we first started the first project, we were already on the lookout for venture capital in the space and um, in the end we, we, we financed it all with our private money and family and friends money but initially we just talked to some VCs and we also already also found some VCs who wanted to give us like 500k for 50% of the company which was not interesting for us just 
to to lose control at this early stage mm-hmm. and it was like an experiment and not a final product but um people in 2012 here in germany told us what medicine in the internet that's something that will be up in 20 or 30 years and i said hey guys in 20 or 30 years you will drink a beer on mars <laughs> and e health <laughs> will be long gone so you know the, the, it's it's very difficult and they're always wondering why the united states are so much further also china now asian countries they're so fast when it comes to adoption of new technology and so courageous and they just take the step in europe it's always uh uh-huh, we have our old structures uh, there are established players. Uh, it's a problem. Maybe there's a danger. Maybe this may be there. And, and, and you know, United yeah. States always, let's go, let's check it out and then conquer the world. And that's what's so impressive about, about American guys. So I, I appreciate that very much. And that's why we also want to be there. Yeah, no, I think that um, that is something that as an American, as I've seen, we are proud of that and we encourage it. And there's lots of opportunity for innovation. And that's being, you know, it's pushed in all our schools. Many companies have innovation labs, so that's you know, a top of mind for most uh, healthcare leaders and technology leaders overall. Welcome to the Health on Chain News Corner. This week, after months of mystery and anticipation, the new joint nonprofit company called ABC has selected their CEO. Amazon Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan announced the new venture earlier this year. And I wouldn't say I would agree with all the business decisions that the leaders of these organizations have made in the past, but I definitely believe they are making a great decision with their announcement of Dr. Atul Gawande as the first CEO of ABC. Dr. Gawande is an American surgeon, writer, and public health researcher. He practices at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, and is also the executive director of Ariadne Labs, a joint center for health systems innovation. Having read many of Atul's books and articles, I think he does a great job connecting the human side of making difficult medical and business decisions, particularly regarding end-of-life care in his book, Being Mortal. If anyone listening has a connection to Atul, I'd love to have him join the show and share his thoughts about the role of ABC in the healthcare industry and if he anticipates using some form of blockchain technologies to facilitate trust in the healthcare ecosystem. Please reach out and we can set something up. Congratulations again to him and I'm looking forward to following ABC's developments and his leadership. ABC's goals are to reduce costs in the healthcare system and make it easier to navigate the healthcare ecosystem. And now back to the show with Dr. Michael Kaldash. Um, yeah, you know, one thing that I wanted to get into actually is the discussion of like how new technologies like medical devices or maybe, you know, wearable devices can become possibly integrated with your solution. How important is that as we move forward to really collect true data um, from the person as they're living their life? Um, this is very important. I think it's even one of the key factors um, because... You know, the actual state of medicine is you see as a doctor, you see most of the times you see the patient when he's become ill, right? The patient comes to you when he's already become sick or when he's got some problems. The main target should be to follow a, a person who's not already a patient, but from his date of birth to the actual day to follow up and to make sure he doesn't become sick. So you can detect high blood pressure. 
in an early stage when it doesn't hasn't haven't hasn't done any damage at all most of the people they have high blood pressure for 20 years 25 years when they get their first heart attack when they have their first stroke but there was a history of 20 years they didn't have any problem why it was not detected it was not measured and there was nothing done about it and that's just a basic thing you know high blood treating high blood pressure is such a basic thing which is still not done properly and which is not detected at an early stage there are so many people in younger age and you know people they have they are gaining more weight they eat unhealthy food there's a lot of stress there is burnout you know all this stuff you check your emails regularly so you have high blood pressure and you don't detect this but when you get it with 30 years for example then it will have an effect when you're 50 years old but if you would have detected it when you're 31 it would never have done any damage so that's the primary um primary care was the care before becoming ill this is very important and trackers like blood pressure monitors scales like there are so many devices you can use you can train your you can monitor your training um your calorie burn stuff like that that's very important and will be a key factor for health in the future uh, for a longer life but also for a responsibility because we as as a company we also want pe to give people the responsibility for their body because you know people take care of everything but when they sometimes they go to the doctor and they say hey it's it's you're the doctor and you're the professional right and here is my health and treat me and the next step they take the cigarette and smoke it and they drink alcohol and um so that's not the way how it should work the first See, person people... in your health life should be you and not the doctor right yeah some people treat their you know their cars better than they treat themselves and yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's because they own their cars and i mean they do own their bodies but they feel like you know they're not responsible for their bodies because someone else is telling them what to do or you know, they just give. They're putting off that responsibility, as you said, um, on the providers or caretakers. Yeah, correct. And you mentioned another uh, factor that influences health, and that is like stress. You know, everyday stress. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being the CEO of a of a startup, I feel like that might be stressful at times. So, how do you manage that? And you know, what do you consider happiness to be? Stress, yeah. So, you know, as I've been working in hospital for over 12 years, I really know what stress is, um, especially during night shifts when you have a, a resuscitation of a patient who is about to die, to lose his life, um, when you have to get up at night three, four, five times because there's a, people coming to the emergency room. That is real stress. You know, the change between day and night shift and have a broken sleep five, six, seven times uh, a night having resuscitation uh, that's so that's very stressing so in in contrast to this the position as a ceo uh, working in a company it's also stressy because you have appointments you have to answer emails you have to call people you have to travel but it's not comparable and it's it's a lot of fun because i'm not not only me but the entire team is so motivated and it's so positive all this stuff so it's a, a really good stress not a not a distress you know also the work in hospital can be very good stress but sometimes when it's just getting too much this has a really i think a worse effect than than working like this so i enjoy it very much and a key factor for me is you know the, the big the biggest or the most important thing to happiness for me is uh living freely it's not money it's it's having time it's having time and living living the life of the people you love um 
So yeah, I think time is, is the key factor because we're only here once on this planet. And that's what a lot of people forget. I see it in, in also in my family. They work from Monday to Friday, from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And it's always stress and they have to have to have to do something. And that's really, we were not born on this earth just to work and to do or to live after a schedule. So having time and, and, and living this time actively and maybe seeing the good things in life, seeing new people, new cultures. Absolutely. What, whatsoever. So that's, that's quality of life. Right. I actually just uh, saw an article. I read an article and watched a video with Michael Porter. He's a you know, Harvard business professor who, you know, well published. And he, the article was, I think it was titled something like time is the scarcest resource for CEOs. And like they talk about how important it is for them to manage their day, their weeks, and also to have like a break to relax, have off time this way they can refresh and uh, be effective. And that refreshment time doesn't have to be only the weekend. It, being able to decide when you want to work and when you want to, um, you know, take a break, I think creates better work actually, and it creates more positive attitudes towards your work. So it's really important. Yeah, I yeah definitely. You know what? What what I've read, read recently it was an article in a manager magazine about CEOs. So there was someone people saying, "Oh, okay, hey, successful CEOs they get up in the morning 4 a.m. and they work and they work and they only sleep four hours a day." And I say, guys, that's the problem. Why uh, economic? There's so many economic problems because there are people that do not sleep and they cannot find reasonable solutions for anything, right? You as a person, you have resources, your body, you have to sleep. You have to do sports. You have to find time to relax because if you work like a machine, you will fail at a certain point. I'm absolutely sure about that. Right, especially the way uh, that we work now. You know, when, when someone says when you work, it usually means sit in front of a computer or, you know, a laptop and type things away and maybe make some phone calls. You know, most people don't work while they're sweating, right? That's not necessarily, that's not really um, what happens. So you're quite right. I think it's, you know, I think we agree. Most people might agree, but they still don't act on it, which is the issue. And the social norms haven't changed yet. So this has just been, um, I think there is a trend towards that way. So we'll see how that goes. I think blockchain has a lot to do with that change as well. So like giving that freedom, you know, being able to tie value to transactions in a more uh, you know, accurate way is going to be, you know, the way forward. I think so. It's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. If this question is not too personal, what would you consider to be your, bi your biggest mistake? My biggest mistake up to now? Mm, that's a good question. What was my biggest mistake? I wanted, you know, I wanted to study informatics parallelly to medicine, and um, I didn't do it. Maybe that's one of the mistakes. I, I have no, n not so many regrets in my life. Uh, maybe that's big. That's a lucky position. I have. Okay. Maybe no. What you know? What my biggest mistake was not to buy Bitcoin for twenty thousand euros in twenty ten. Maybe that was. A big mistake. So, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think everyone would, would think the same, but no, I don't know. So uh, maybe not studying this informatics parallelly to medicine because I had some time during the medicine studies. I was finished with, with everything two semesters before I could do my exam, my final exam. So I could have done that. 
So okay. yeah, but I'm yeah. married. I have a great family. I have good friends. So so far everything's fine. That's great. Hopefully it stays like that. Have you changed your mind on anything recently? And um, what made you change it? You know, up to a certain point, I was always convinced that um, people or most people in leading positions, like especially in politics, are working on a rational and and maybe intelligent base. And I now come to a conclusion that this is definitely not the case, especially when you see what happens in some countries. Um, I don't say now which country I'm talking about, but it's, uh, yeah, sometimes it's just horrible i just i just lose my my confidence in some 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 parts of, of, of humanity because uh they're happening weird things including violence including fraud including bad decisions um selfish dis decisions and you know what the the, the most the, the most problematic thing is maybe this the focus on money because m many people it doesn't matter if they're richer if they're poor they're focusing so much on money and everything's about money, and it's the most important thing. And there are families who are breaking up about money, friendships breaking up about money, wars are led because of. In the end, it's a, it's all about money, and I think this is something I really am frustrated about. I mean, money is is important. That's that's not there's no discussion about it, and it's good to have it, and it's bad to not have it. But I think it, it's it's a, it's a, the biggest mistake in, in nowadays that this is the focus of everything. Good example is, for example, in Germany, when someone's um, stealing 20 million euros or five, 50 million euros, he gets to jail for 10 years. If, if someone's raping a woman or mistreating a child, he's not even coming to jail or maybe two or three years. And I say, okay, so money, no matter how much it is, is more important than people than people's lives or children's soul. This is insane. This is this is crazy, and that drives me wild. And that's something maybe, I, yeah. So that would be something that you'd want to change in the world. I, I agree with you. And I feel like, you know, this blockchain revolution, let's call it, might, you know, change that for the better. I think it's possible where people will not value just, you know, fiat dollars or you know, U.S. currency or uh, British mm -hmm. pound or any kind of government money. I think that's... Uh, become the focus of people's attention. They just want to have as much money as possible because that's what people use to mm -hmm. buy things. Um, it'll be more about transacting value. So like, you know, having a conversation with you is valuable. So we're both going to be rewarded by having a conversation through some sort of platform. I don't know how that would work. Um, the concepts are being tested in these days. You know, it's the Wild West. That's why it's so exciting. And... Um, I do have hope for the future. I think that there will be solutions for this. But at the moment, I feel like, yeah, you're right. We're at some pretty bad low. And the example you gave, um, you know, if a person steals, you know, 20 euros or something, you know, he's probably stealing it for a reason. He's probably a homeless person trying to get food. So how do we provide the basic necessities of daily living to those people so that, you know, stealing becomes disincentivized? It's not something that people want to do. I don't think people are necessarily bad. They don't steal. I have, I have, you know, I'm just giving you my opinion here, but I'd like to think about, uh, hear your opinion if you, about that and how the nature of human beings in general, as a doctor and as a CEO of this company. You know, in the end, when you look at the, that's my opinion, when you look at the average of the people, and no matter if they're Christian, if they're Jewish, if they're Muslim, if they're Buddhist, whatever, 
They want to, to have food. They want to have a safe home. They want to take care of their family and want to feel loved. So I think that's basically the same for everyone. I, and there are, I mean, there are people who become maybe criminal for because they can't get enough. But most of the people, especially in poorer countries, they are criminal because they just don't have any other opportunity. Like, and at these favelas, the people there, they grow up in violence, they grow up in, in, crim, in crim, crime, right? So they don't know any other situation. And that happens for a reason, because there are, on the one hand, there are people with a lot of money, they have more money than they could ever spend and they would ever need, and they get even more and more. And on, their, on the other hand, there are people that don't have anything and they will never have anything and they don't have anything to lose. And um, I think this, this difference makes a big problem. It, it, and there, I think there are statistics and there are uh, studies from universities that show that those, um, those populations that have the biggest um, middle class where people do have to lose something, they have the lowest crime rate and the lowest rate of the possibility to 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 do make to break a revolution or something like that because when people have have something to preserve who have have a family who have a, a safe life they're not gonna lose it but if there are people they don't have to lose anything and imagine you don't have your apartment you don't have your job you don't have a family maybe they died because some some other criminal killed them so what do you have to lose at this moment no one would say hey um I I I don't want to go to jail most of those people they don't give a they give a damn about about this, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what, what what brings problems. And also, when you compare, for example, let's compare fiat money, euros, US dollar, stuff like that, to the cryptocurrencies. When people would really, and I think it's it's not me who says that, but if people would understand how money really works, there would be a revolution the next day, right? <laughs> so there's a very very renowned person who said that because the fiat currency system is is a real problem in itself, and yeah, people, if they would understand it, they wouldn't say ma so many bad things about cryptocurrency, for example. I found the quote that Michael was referring to, and it was by Henry Ford. And he said, it is well enough that people of the nation do not understand our banking and monetary system. For if they did, I believe there would be a revolution before tomorrow morning. Here, Henry Ford is referring to the Federal Reserve System. In the show notes, I included a link for people who are interested in learning more about this quote. All right. Maybe. Well, it's it's good to think about all these things, uh, you know, in context. And I know that you know you are working in the healthcare field. If we think about Amedis as a company in the healthcare field, what is um, like your overall vision and goal? Like, how can you explain to me a you know ten years from now how a patient would live with Amedis and what are the benefits? What what's the added value to them? So we hope that the patients. In 10 years, um, they they shall use um, home tracking devices. They shall be active controller of their own health. They shall, should control what they eat, how they move, how they work, how they live. They shall they they can can they shall store their data. They shall collect their data in iMedis in other companies solutions. They shall share it with the doctors. They shall actively take part in. In treatment of, of diseases and they shall be flawlessly able to have this these opportunities no matter where they live and no matter where they go and no matter if they're rich or if they're poor um, so I think that's very important 
um, to, to give a, a big life quality. And I think that will be possible if, if we can establish this and if, if our competitors can establish this, we can, we can really do, a, do good for, for, for humanity and for the connection between, between people and their healthy life and, and their daily life and their future. So yeah, I hope that, so that in 10 years, this, these solutions will be integrated into the daily life. People will use it like they use their iPhone now Right. And it will bring them. It will bring them big, big opportunities and, and advantages. Sure, and you know, just thinking about your team, it looks like you know, based on your website, there's about uh, 20 people on the team, and you have about a dozen advisors. So you know, relatively good sized startup you got going on right now. And how can other people get involved with Amedis? In what ways can they work with you? What ways can they work for you? Yeah. So um, we are. At the moment, we're actively on the lookout for new developers, especially in the field of, no, uh, of, of Node.js and uh, blockchain development, Solidity, stuff like that. Um, but we're also looking out for partners. So we're discussing with, with several hospitals and doctors from, from a lot of countries, including Africa, including Australia, including Asian countries. So we are actively on the lookout for people who want to support our idea, who make connections to, to the people that use iMedis. This might be patient, patient groups, like, you know, self-help groups, um, but also, um, yeah, like institutions yeah. who take care of certain diseases, like heart disease or cancer or depression, whatever. Um, so, yeah, uh, okay. so people can, if, if there's someone who wants to work with us, who has, has a good idea, who says, hey, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm a person you need, then you can just contact us via our emails. Um, or via Telegram, or you can. Sure, and whatever. I'll put those those uh, contact information in the show notes for for all the audience yeah. to access. So it'd be easy for them. Yeah, to that's access. great. Fine, sure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Um, well, I think with that we covered a lot today. It was pretty good. I think I, it was good that we got into like a little bit of a philosophical conversation as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's Thank you important very much, yeah. to uh, you know, have broad sense of what's going on in, with this space. Do you want to leave the audience with any last words or advice? Yeah. Live a healthy life. Live it actively and, and uh, cherish the time you have with, with your family. And, and when you're healthy, cherish that you are healthy. Recognize it as, as a gift and not as something that is, that is uh, usual or that is, that is uh, normal. It is not. And... Um, no matter if you're you're not not healthy or if you're healthy, go use Imedis. It's a definitely good idea to help you guys. All right. So, yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Michael Kaldesh. I appreciate your time. And thank you very much, Ray. Hopefully, we'll connect in the future. And best of luck to you and your team. Thank you. Thank you very much. Same to you. Hey, y'all! You cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org and remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group, t.me slash healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students to listen and subscribe. Thank you.